Wow, I hope they find these people. That missing mini submarine that was going down 12,000 feet underwater, the Atlantic Ocean, to find the wreckage of the Titanic. Five people on board, and they've been missing, and air is running out. Uh, these people bought seats, $250,000 a piece, apparently. 96 hours on board that uh, craft, but I hear they're only down to about 70 uh, hours left if it's still intact. Let's hope they're alive underwater. I heard that they actually need the mothership to, well, surface under. They can't just surface in any old place. They're lost, no communication. Let's hope and pray that they are okay. You know, the Titanic was, well, some fake news surrounded the Titanic. Went down in 1912 with about 1,500 people on board. You may remember the reports. There were hundreds of them even before the Titanic sailed. We cannot state too strongly our belief that the ship is unsinkable and the passengers perfectly safe. They kept on saying that. It was an engineering feat. Unsinkable, unsinkable, unsinkable. Well, it was very, very sinkable. Was that an example of fake news? Could be. Now this. So, are you a Trump supporter? You know, we're a... We're a special breed, those of us who support 45. 24-7, we are bombarded with messages of hate about Donald Trump. He's an enemy of democracy. He's a crook. He's a criminal. He's a, he's a predator. Now, we know this is not true. We can see the truth despite all of the lies that constantly surround him. And we are strong enough and we are wise enough to not go with the flow. It's an interesting place to be. And who is the president of the United States right now? Is it Joe Biden or, or Donald Trump? Given the media attention, you could make the case that, well, Donald Trump is receiving more attention than the president of the United States. I will actually make that right now. Take a look at these numbers. Uh, every show that's out there is talking about Trump more than Biden. All these signature uh, political programs. On this, look at this. 27 to 8 on Face the Nation. Next, please. Uh, this week with whatever Democrat they're going to have host this week, uh, 38 mentions of Donald Trump, 16 for Joe Biden. Next, please, we have State of the Union with fake Jake Tapper. Sorry, 34 times for Trump, 11 times for Biden. You see, he's dominating everything. Uh, meet the press, probably, yeah, 48 times for Trump, Biden, 15 times. And oh, by the way, these shows, they feature Trump haters. Even the Republicans are Trump haters, or we'll call them adversaries. Yeah, Larry Hogan, former governor of uh, Maryland, can't stand Trump. Uh, the list goes on. Asa Hutchinson wants Trump to drop out because of these phony indictments. Bill Barr, this is his new career, going around blasting Trump. H.R. McMaster, former national security advisor, again, a second career bashing Trump. Chris Christie, <laughs> can he uh, bash his way all the way into a debate? We'll see. Mark Esper, definitely no fan of the president. And perhaps, not surprisingly, but most disappointingly, Mike Pence. And I saw him on, on Meet the Press, very, very sincere, but... Almost too sincere, if you know what I mean. Uh, Mike Pence. Uh, the allegations in the indictment are serious. And uh, I, I can't defend what is alleged. Uh, but the former president deserves his day in court. He deserves the opportunity to make his defense uh, in a court of law. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
And so I want to I want to reserve judgment. Does he always talk like that? I don't remember him talking like that, but maybe he does. Um, he needs to look at the he read the indictment. He still thinks it's a strong case. You saw my box demo last week. It's not a strong case. And then this. I have a son in the Marine Corps. I have a son-in-law in the United States Navy. We've got to ensure that classified materials, especially those that have been alleged in this indictment that bear upon our national right. security, are protected and secured. Secured. How about his classified documents? Yeah, classified documents were found at his house. And he sat down for that fake news interview on Meet the Press. They did not ask him one question about the secret documents that were found in his house once he left the vice presidency. What kind of fake news swamp do we have going here? We knew it was thick. We knew it was deep. It gets worse. Clearly, it was unauthorized, illegal, and, and dangerous. And look, we have a, a case playing out right now in Massachusetts where that young airman from the Massachusetts National Guard is being charged on similar types of accounts under the Espionage Act for, for uh, taking and, and retaining unauthorized documents that affected our national defense. Are we hallucinating? That's Mark Esper, former defense secretary. He's talking about that guy, Teixeira, who posted secrets online and shared them with the world online, on the Internet. And oh, by the way, he was just a private, not the commander in chief. It is insane. I did hear this, though. This little tidbit from Mike Turner. Been around for a long time. Republican, not the craziest guy out there. I think he's actually pretty sharp. Take a look. Well, we heard from the archivists that every administration since Reagan has delivered to them documents that included classified and unclassified documents mixed. And 80 members of Congress have sent documents to libraries where the libraries had to subsequently get in touch with them and say, we found classified documents, including Senator Muskie, who had 98 classified documents. 98 classified documents? Who's Senator Muskie anyway? Uh, he was a very prominent Democrat from Maine. Uh, Republicans are terrified of him. He was, uh, came pretty close to uh, becoming the presidential nominee. It did not work out. Again, you've got to remember this. They are counting on our ignorance of these affairs, okay? Classified documents. Most Americans have never seen a classified document. These guys work with them all the time. New York Times, April 2006. Please do not forget these items, these quotes. Number one, President Bush authorized an aid to disclose classified intelligence on Iraqi weapons. It goes on to say... No shock to official Washington. Why is that? Why? Why? The leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upsmanship. And if you're Joe Biden, this is just a this is just a joke. He can laugh it off and the and the fake news covers for him. We're well, gonna get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week. People, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So the but anyway. Was in a locked yes, as well as my Corvette. As well, the Corvette, we've seen it, right? The, you can actually see the boxes behind the Corvette. What's he doing with the Corvette, by the way? Right? This is insane, and they're counting on us. Well, number one, they know we really don't have the power to do anything about it. They know we're all distracted and looking at Netflix and half the country's smoking weed. I mean, seriously, what are we going to do about this? Huh? And that's why that admissions like this, startling, earth-shattering admissions like this that should totally change the game? Nah, eh, whatever. It's just 
Joe. My knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that are from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. 1974. I've had the classified documents since 1974. What does that mean? He's grandfathered in somehow? Uh, there's a waiver because he was committing a crime for 50 years? He's actually officially started his campaign in Philadelphia. People were starting to wonder, you know, okay, you're running for president, but you're not really running for president. So he goes to a labor event. Why labor? Because, well, unions are pretty good at getting people to show up, <laughs> show up or else. Uh, so that worked in his favor. And the fake news, again, they listen to how they cover him. What do they do? Well, they actually cover him. Well, President Biden underscored his administration's commitment to helping rebuild that collapse. He talked about how important that interstate is in this region and in the Northeast Corridor. A part of the assistance President Biden was referring to there is providing federal reimbursements to the state. In addition to all of that, President Biden has arrived here to the Philadelphia Convention Center where he is expected to give remarks to a union rally. Like everything he was doing, they actually reported on. Compare that to Trump. It was two years of Russiagate and then a year of Ukraine. It was never what the administration was focused on. Remember Jim Acosta and his friends? Remember the field day they had? But with, uh, with Joe Biden, it is, well, favorable to straight down the middle across the board. The first order of business for President Biden here in Philadelphia today was to get a first-hand look at really the impact of that highway collapse just last Sunday. We also heard from President Biden talking about the federal resources that have helped make this make this a reality. The president talking about how there's no more important infrastructure project in the country right now than getting that a piece of the highway reopened, but it's a pivot to the message he's going to bring here. The other order of business, Alex, I thought you'd want to know, today is the 46th wedding anniversary of the president and the first lady who's joining him here. Oh today and they're going to be heading to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware to celebrate tonight. So they're totally on message. They're doing the campaign's work. I mean, the campaign, they should be paying for this kind of coverage. Let's see. They did not talk about the classified document fiasco in his garage. That's been covered up. And the normal everyday minute by minute gaps that Joe Biden makes. Well, they look past those as well. Friday night in Connecticut, this was one of the worst speeches ever delivered by a president anywhere, and no one talked about it. My daughter Ashley tapped, uh, taped a mirror, uh, excuse me, a message in the mirror. The way we get to, everything gets to me through my wife and daughter now. Don't make me a dog-faced lion pony soldier. <laughs> God save the queen, man. It made no sense. Frequently, people were worried. Uh, <laughs> did it make the news? No. Four networks, no mention of this utterly bizarre, out-of-control speech. Meanwhile, the entire political world was actually talking about it, and they're feeling it. Because Joe Biden, the more people look at him, the more they think he's not up to the job. He can't actually withstand a campaign. So they got a problem on their hands. Small donors are not giving to Joe. Small donors are so important. You want a thousand people donating one dollar is a thousand times better than one person donating a thousand dollars. That's the way it works in politics. And they're not seeing that. So they're worried. And they're also worried about the Kamala problem. 
everything is in context. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes and she would say to us, I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. So they're having real conversations about her. They realize they can't take it from Joe and not give it to her. She's incompetent. I would have no problem if I were a Democrat mega donor to say, get lost with Kamala. But she happens to be a black woman, and that happens to be the most powerful thing in the Democrat Party. They can't not give it to her. So they're really in a bit of a crisis mode behind the scenes. Something else is going on. Joe Biden is not campaigning that aggressively. We mentioned the event over the weekend, the first one in two months. Something is strange. And Scott Adams, who does the Dilbert cartoon, very controversial these days, but he said something thought-provoking. The reddest of red flags is that Biden is not actively campaigning. And he's running for office, president, and it looks like the polls are you know, competitive. So it's not like he's going to win automatically and he knows it. So what are two reasons you could give me why somebody in this situation would not be aggressively campaigning? So, so one possibility is he's so confident he doesn't need to campaign. Does that sound real? Uh, not really. The other possibility is he's not planning to be the candidate. And he knows it because he's planning it. Could be. I am concerned about the fairness of the next election, right? I, I think we all should be. I'd hate to see anything weird happen, wouldn't you? So back to Joe, back to Joe himself. Who's in charge of the government? Who's in charge of the Justice Department? There is this fake news legend that somehow the president should not be and is not in charge of the Justice Department, the law enforcement. He's the chief executive. He's the chief law enforcement officer, technically, I think, in the country, the president. The DOJ works for him. But somehow in the swamp, they say that's not the case. Well, here, Biden's in a weird position, right? Because he's in two roles. One, he's the president of the United States. And in that role, he's absolutely right that the president does not have any power and should not have any power to influence the Justice Department. This is so wrong. The Justice Department, it's not even mentioned in the Constitution. There is no DOJ in the Constitution. There is a president in the Constitution in charge of executing the laws. I think he is in charge. And that's why Joe needs to, well, let me let her set it up. I used to think that it was a good idea that Nixon was pardoned in order to keep the country together. I now think that it was one of the biggest mistakes that has been made in the history of our government. I, I yeah, she's not the only one. Ford, one of the greatest, most gentlemanly things that, for the good of the country, pardoned Richard Nixon before he was even charged with anything. A full and complete pardon. Joe Biden is not one one millionth the man Gerald Ford was. Listen to this. This is statesmanship. The facts as I see them are that a former president of the United States, instead of enjoying equal treatment with any other citizen accused of violating the law, would be cruelly and excessively penalized either in preserving the presumption of his innocence or in obtaining a speedy determination of his guilt, ugly passions, 
would again be aroused, and our people would again be polarized in their opinions. And the credibility of our free institutions of government would again be challenged at home and abroad. Sound familiar? Tell us more, Gerald Ford. As president, my primary concern must always be the greatest good of all the people of the United States, whose servant I am. Can you imagine President Biden thinking like this? This is poetry. My conscience tells me clearly and certainly that I cannot prolong the bad dreams that continue to reopen a chapter that is closed. My conscience tells me that only I, as president, have the constitutional power to firmly shut and seal this book. My conscience tells me it is my duty not merely to proclaim domestic tranquility, but to use every means that I have to ensure it. A man with a conscience. How refreshing. One more. I do believe with all my heart and mind and spirit that I, not as president, but as a humble servant of God, will receive justice without mercy if I fail to show mercy. To show mercy. God bless President Gerald R. Ford. Wow. Joe Biden has that power. He could do the same thing, but he wouldn't in a million years. When we come back, the very iffy Juneteenth. Juneteenth. What is it? What is it really? Uh, something about uh, Texas and uh, some general and the slaves and uh, nobody really knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is, but it's not a thing. Sorry, it's it's just not. It was made a thing to get Trump. It was a plot. Now, silly me and silly you maybe as well. We associated the emancipation of slaves with Abraham Lincoln, right? The Emancipation Proclamation. That was kind of a big deal. This whole thing in Texas and Galveston and uh, some general who showed up, I still don't know exactly what to make of it because, well, it was not taught in school and nobody really has a firm idea. I'm telling you, we've done it. You go up to people on the street, they have a different answer about Juneteenth. Why is it a thing? In 2020, when they were trying to use race as a weapon against all things Trump, well, they tried to and actually kind of did sabotage one of the rallies he had planned. It was, uh, well, it was on Juneteenth. And you can't do anything on Juneteenth. Trump is so oblivious, he didn't even realize how messed up it would be to have a rally on Juneteenth. Listen, Brother Trump. Now, I'm born in Tulsa, so I, I don't want to get started with Tulsa now. Donald Trump originally planned his first rally on Juneteenth, just right by the site of one of the worst racist slaughters in American history. So people back in 2020 were afraid to say or to call nonsense on this because then they'd have to admit that they did not know what Juneteenth was, which was entirely OK to do. 
You know who was pretty flip and actually did not pay one bit of attention to Juneteenth? Barack Obama. Now, how dare this man on Juneteenth dress up in a tuxedo and tell jokes? I want to ex express my appreciation for the opportunity to tell jokes that uh, weren't funny enough for me to use when we did this five weeks ago. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he really kills himself, doesn't he? He's so, ooh, I'm so cool, I'm so cool. Nothing about Juneteenth from Barack Obama, the first black president, the first Juneteenth of his presidency. Hmm. What else did, how else did Barack Obama commemorate Juneteenth? As I've said, Angela and I don't exactly look like previous German and American leaders. Isn't that special, right? Okay, because she's a woman and you're black, right? Uh, all about you. What about Juneteenth on June 19th, 2013? Nope, nope, not going to talk about it. Here's another one where he's just in love with himself and cares not a lick about Juneteenth. At the White House, he had uh, the old Bulls theme song, and <laughs> I, I, it set a very high bar, uh, as if I was Michael Jordan coming out. All right. Now, in fairness to Barack Obama, the White House did put out statements on Juneteenth throughout his presidency. Here we go. June 19th, 2009, right? A statement about Juneteenth. Guess what? Donald Trump did the same thing. His White House, Juneteenth, 2017, big statement in commemoration of the day. Uh, Barack, where was Joe Biden on Juneteenth? Well, we looked it up, and over nearly 50 years, uh, <laughs> no mention of Juneteenth in the public record of Joe Biden. Because like everybody else, he doesn't really know what it is. So Donald Trump, though, they tried to get him, and they didn't, but... Juneteenth became a thing. Take a look at this. The Wall Street Journal goes and sits with him for an interview, and he mentions, yeah, I did something good. I made it famous. I made Juneteenth very famous. It's actually an important event. It's an important time. But nobody had heard of it. Very few people have heard of it. Actually, a young African-American Secret Service agent knew what it was. I had political people who had no idea. It's interesting. The guy who interviewed Trump, his name is Bender, um, wrote a book. And when you write a book, you feel like you can make stuff up. And that's what he did. You see, the story gets a bit more interesting. That night, Trump turned to a Secret Service agent who was black and asked him about Juneteenth. Yes, the agent told him. I know what it is. And it's very offensive to me that you're having this rally on Juneteenth. No, that did not happen. We have proof that it did not happen. Uh, but it's Trump, and you can say whatever you want. Anyway, happy Juneteenth. Stay safe. Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, was in uh, China, and it doesn't look good. Uh, there's President Xi on the right, large and in charge. What is wrong with Tony Blinken? I mean, it's just, there's no contest. He walked around, we're desperately trying to reestablish a relationship with China. And, well, it sounds like this. To our, our hosts, that China's broad economic success is also in our interest. Um, we have done a remarkable job rebounding from, from COVID and having a, a growing economy. 
very low unemployment. Very pained, very weak. Next. On Taiwan, I reiterated the long-standing U.S. one-China policy. Uh, that policy has not changed. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo. Well, it changed for a while. Just ask Uncle Joe. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. This is the experience, Joe Biden. One of the many things, thousands of things they had to walk back after Joe made the spectacular gaffe. Uh, things are a mess. And one of the reasons why they're such a mess right now, I think we need presidents, certainly not this one, but presidents should have a six-year term, not a four-year term. Six years would be enough. Four years, they have to run for re-election as soon as they get there. Take a look at President Xi. Look at all the American presidents who have come and gone. And he's got another 10, 20 years left in him. How about Putin? Same thing. See? I mean, we, they barely have enough time to get up to speed. And it's one of the reasons why our adversaries are running circles around us. It would take a constitutional amendment, but it has received attention before, and I think it should again. Do me a favor. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your 20-minute daily news update. I have to tell you how the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier is making my life Eden better. It uses proven oxy technology that quickly destroys viruses, odors, and mold pretty much anywhere in your home and fast. It's only about the size of your hand, so you can plug it in anywhere, behind a sofa, behind a bed, quickly eliminates odors from trash cans, litter boxes, cigarette smoke, cigar smoke, or whatever. Gone. I have one in the kitchen, another in the bedroom. The thunderstorm sends out O3 molecules which destroy odors, viruses, and mold with air so pure you can smell it. And we are loving our Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifiers. Right now, you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack and start enjoying your whole home again. Get three units for under 200 bucks. Put one anywhere you need clean, fresh air. And if you travel, take it with you for hotel rooms. Simply go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code GREG to save $200. That's Eden, E-D-E-N, PureDeals.com, discount code GREG, and shipping is free. All right, a Newsmax favorite, Brandon Strzok, founder of the Walkaway Campaign, political activist and commentator. You got to go to walkawaysocial.com. It's new, it's exciting, and uh, Brandon, by the way, was there on January 6th, but he didn't hurt anybody, he didn't break anything, and he didn't go inside the Capitol. Nevertheless, that episode, uh, well, complicated his life for quite some time. Brandon Strzok, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, actually, look, the January 6th stuff, you did not break anything. You did not hurt anybody. You did not go inside the Capitol, but you did have to uh, some house arrest. How is that affecting your life on a day to day basis or is it totally in the past or does it does it complicate your life in any way? 
Oh, yeah, it continues to complicate my life. I mean, they put me on federal probation for three years on a Class B misdemeanor charge. That was in addition to uh, spending time in jail and three months on house arrest. And so, I mean, I literally have to request permission from the court to be able to leave the state that I live in every time that I travel, and I travel quite frequently. So, yeah, it continues to have an impact. Well, uh, I'm sorry about that. It sounds like a complete overreaction. Walkawaysocial.com. Just bring us up to speed, if you would, on what's happening there. Absolutely. So it's really exciting. You know, people may remember Walkway. The thing that was so great about it were the testimonials of real people telling real stories about why they're walking away from the political left. And all of those in the middle and on the right who support them that we call the Walk Wits would also make their videos and their testimonials. And we originally launched on Facebook and grew to 511,000 people. But now we're back with our own app. And it's truly, it's incredible. So if you're an Apple user or an Android user, you can go to your app store and search Walkaway Social, load the app. It takes, you know, 30 seconds to sign up and Walkaway's back. It's it's everything. It's the videos. It's the testimonials. We have thousands and thousands of people on this app and already have hundreds of people uploading videos and written testimonials. It's, it's really exciting. So I encourage everybody out there to load Walkaway Social and get behind the movement again because we're back. All right. Awesome. Hey, by the way, your Walkaway story, I think, is a really interesting one. And I kind of relate to it. Let me play. Uh, this is a video you put together, and it kind of tells the whole epiphany you had. Uh, let's take a look. In January of 2017, I bitterly proclaimed on social media, I would never be able to understand how anyone could vote for a man who stood before a cheering crowd and mocked a reporter's disability. And that's when somebody sent me this. I mentioned the word regulated. Uh, what do you think about ISIS? Oh, ISIS is very dumb. They said, Senator Cruz, what do you think of waterboarding? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, he didn't he didn't want to talk about waterboarding. Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you gotta see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Oh, I don't remember. Doing a comical imitation of somebody getting flustered after being called out for being dishonest and mocking someone's disability is a very important distinction. It really is, you know, that was wild because I quite frankly did not know until you pointed it out that that was uh, not an imitation. That's the moment that changed my entire life. Uh, when I realized that the media that I had been trusting my entire life, which is to say CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, etc., I didn't even realize that they were capable of being dishonest. I truly believed they were the good guys. And so, you know, I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And when Trump took office, I was shattered. And when I started to realize that the media had been lying to me that entire time he was running for office about the narrative of him being a racist and a bigot and all of these things, I became so outraged and I felt so betrayed and deceived. This is a common theme that we hear in almost every walkaway video and every walkaway story, this feeling of betrayal, that people felt like they could trust the media. They felt like they could trust the news. And this realization that we're all being lied to and deceived and manipulated, we see it every day. I mean, look, at they're completely covering up right now as we're learning that the, the deaths of Joe Biden's deception, but they're covering round the clock these bogus indictments against Trump. It's outrageous. And I think when people see it, that's that you can't go back once you see that betrayal. It is fascinating. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, it moves you and um, they're not to be trusted. But let me ask you this. Walk away from the media. But you had to walk away from a Democrat party. I mean, were you pro-choice? What about the other policies that drew you to the Democrat Party? Or did you just sign up because that was kind of the thing to do? 
No, I mean, I think that it, you know, we'd have to go issue by issue, but there's certainly issues I've changed my mind about tremendously. One of them being uh, Second Amendment. I, you know, I, as a liberal, I was very much all about gun control and restricting gun rights. Uh, I was much more liberal about the issue of abortion. Uh, but with a lot of education and research and digging in, learning things, I, I've become much more conservative on just about every principle uh, that I ever believed in before on the left. All right. Now, walkawaysocial.com. Once we're on, are you are you worried about big tech messing with any of this? I mean, they own the servers, right? They own the plumbing of the Internet. Or are you independent of that? I feel that we are as as safe as we can possibly be. Uh, my servers, which obviously I'm not going to reveal here tonight, but uh, my servers are with a company that supports my political beliefs. Uh, my developers support my political beliefs and probably most of your audiences. So I feel that at every level, we are as absolutely safe as anyone could possibly be. Of course, you know, there's things that are unpredictable. But yeah, I would say that Walkaway Social is as ironclad safe as it can possibly be. And again, everybody get on there right now. I love it. Walkawaysocial.com. We will do it. Brandon Strzok, thank you very, very much. And we'll be right back. Well, that's a Secretary of State, I guess. Tony Blinken looked very pained, very agitated, worried about something. And then when he met with President Xi, well, what is going on here? Greg Hartley joins us, body language and behavior expert, former Army interrogator and author. His two books, uh, How to Spot a Liar, Why Don't People Tell the Truth, and How You Can Catch Them, and also the most dangerous business book you'll ever read. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Good. Thanks for bringing me back. Now, what does that mean when you do like that? <laughs> Just leaning in. Yeah. Very comfortable. Sometimes very means absolutely. Very confident. I like it very much. And uh, I'm sorry we didn't have the book covers there. We'll try to work on it. Listen, Tony Blinken with uh, President Xi. Is this the strangest handshake uh, in a long time? Take a look. What do you make of this? Well, so let's first talk about most body language is about movement. We are looking for movement. We're trying to understand what's happening. So let's try to watch this and see what happens. As you see, he moves in. It looks like Xi pulls a little toward him then turns loose. But if you watch, the most important thing is not the handshake itself. Look at his lower face. You see that kind of pull back of his mouth at the edges? That's disdain or contempt. Something is going on that's unpleasant for a person to have that that right there, to Wait. have that in his face. And he looks... Who has disdain and contempt? Who has disdain? If Blinken, look at Blinken's face. There's disdain or contempt for the situation or a person in his lower face. You see all of that withdrawn to the side's mouth? And you know what? But he's not looking at she. So maybe he's uh, frustrated with himself. I mean, he just seems to maybe know he's in over his head. It could be that. Look, when we do when we show disdain, it can be for situation. It can be for self. Usually contempt is for the other person. It's a little more full blown. Usually a half sided face is contempt. But that disdain, that withdrawal of the mouth is usually related to situation or where we're at individually. So this does not speak well to whatever they're talking about if he's looking like that. You would expect happy. That's certainly not happy. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, happy, they're at, we're, look, we're adversaries, uh, but it looks like sure. he's being pushed around. Now he spoke shortly afterwards, and this seemed very, very odd to me. Take a look, please. Sure. To our, our hosts, that China's broad economic success is also in our interest. Um, we have done... A remarkable job rebounding from, from COVID. 
and having a, a growing economy, very low unemployment. I don't know. Did his dog just die? There's something very uh, pained about him. You're, you're dead on. All that concern, all that knit brow is a thing we associate with pain. I mean, look, you're a military guy, I'm a military guy. We don't. We have flat, blank faces and we're standing in formation for a reason. They come by and look and say, why are you doing that? What are you doing this for? All of that concern showing in his brow is odd for him to be saying, hey, look, we're doing well. This is going on. That deep swallow looks like stress. There's a whole lot of stress in him. Look at that face. Look at that brow rise when he's asking you to believe something. I, I call that a request for approval. There's not a whole lot of confidence in this. Confidence is a telling, a downward intonation. We don't hear that here. Where is Henry Kissinger or Al Haig? We need, I mean, come on. He's, <laughs> I'm also, in control. I don't know if you notice. He always like, everything's a question with Tony, even when he's saying something. He wants to. Up talk. Uh, right. Up, up top. Um, all right. So Joe Biden the other night. Uh, this, uh, I don't know what you're going to make of this, uh, Mr. Hartley, but here we go. All right. God save the queen, man. All right, a lot there. Forget the oddball statement for a second. Putting up his dukes and the fake run and the, well, yeah. what do you think? Well, you know, every time we do something, we create a neural path. It takes about 20,000 repetitions for something to become a neural path. And those things get to be really rooted in who we are. Politicians get really good at using their hands a certain way at how they speak, at how they move. And as you age and things start to get weaker, the most pronounced of those will stick around. So all those cliches that are stuck in that guy's head are coming up. That's all it is. Wow. All right. Hey, one other thing. Let's play it real quick. Donald Trump accused agencies of the federal government of waging psychological warfare here in the United States. Take a look. Don't forget this persecution is being done by the same weaponized agencies that for seven years have been running illegal psychological warfare campaigns against the American people much as if they were trying to destabilize a foreign country. I don't have much time, but um, would you believe that domestic, uh, that they're running domestic psychological warfare campaigns, the federal government? Well, I think it depends, you know, it depends on how you classify that. Of course, some of the stuff we're getting is clearly aimed at us by our government to make us believe something. Now, he may know it's something we don't. That's all I believe it at. All right, Greg Hartley, fascinating stuff as usual. We appreciate it. Uh, Google Greg Hartley. The books are all there. And, oh, the website, GregoryHartley.com. GregoryHartley.com. Check it out. Thank you, sir. And we'll be back. Thank you, sir. Look at this. Yikes. Juneteenth celebrations across the U.S. So far, 54 injured, three killed, shootings. Bad news, bad news. Look, uh, sorry, you know, it's awkward to say, but serious, serious problems plaguing all communities, but perhaps nowhere worse than the African-American community. And whenever a bold, creative, exciting black conservative comes forward like Tim Scott with some interesting ideas and saying we don't have to do it the way we've always done it. And how about looking at it this way? What happens? Democrats get really, really mad, including Barack Obama. Oh, boy, this was this was nasty stuff. Now, we're going to do something. Uh, first, you're going to hear Barack Obama back in 2004 talking about the land of possibility that America was that gave him so much. And then his more recent tune and his critique of Tim Scott. I stand here knowing 
that my story is part of the larger American story, that I owe a debt to all of those who came before me, and that in no other country on earth is my story even possible. The hope of a skinny kid with a funny name who believes that America has a place for him, too. If a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, mm-hmm. I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of racism in the society. And there may come a time where there's somebody in the Republican Party that is more serious about actually addressing some of the deep inequality that still exists in our society that tracks race and is a consequence of our racial history. And and if that happens, I think that would be fantastic. I, I haven't yet seen it. Wow. Um, a lot of coded language there people are picking up on from Barack Obama. But back when he needed us, when he needed our votes, he was all about possibility. And now that he doesn't need us anymore, all he wants to do is enhance his power and money. Well, he speaks a different way. Well, big surprises, big disappointment, Barack Obama. In 2008, he spoke very bluntly about the fatherhood situation in the black community, that there were too many black fathers who were AWOL, who were MIA, and that can lead to greater incarceration rates and uh, fewer high school graduates. Now he's just kind of hanging out, rapping. Not impressive. And you want to see something really unimpressive. It's when Barack Obama tries to connect with the people in the inner city. Take a look. When we came here, uh, three of the guys here I shared with them was, and I think this surprised some of the violence and drugs and and some of the issues that I was going through were similar. And I think that, uh, um, and and I think that, uh, you know, one of the things we all, boys and young men of color, (laughs) Many they are so bored. Have as many resources around them, it becomes that much more critical. It's a long time since he lived in Chicago. That's something that I went through also. You know, I'm struggling with this too. Yeah, right. You've got so much in common with them. Wrong, and they can spot a phony. Oh, absolutely. But it's a great photo op when he shows up in the neighborhood and shoots a few hoops. And uh, yep, that's it. I'm cool. Obama out, right? Drop the mic. Yep, coolest guy in the world. Wrong. I'll be right back. Let's not forget to pray for those people on that submarine down near the Titanic, huh? Good luck to them. We'll see you tomorrow.